Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Max Alivari, and I am joined once again by the ineffable Austin Zetsman. Hello, Austin. How are you on this wonderful Floridian evening? That's great. I'm assuming it's sometime in the morning over there in uh, Upside Down World, right? Yes, you are literally one minute away from it not being morning. So, well done. Uh, I'm somewhat accurate. Somewhat. Good to hear your voice. Oh, it is it's great to hear your voice. We... It, the end of the year has been so difficult in getting these planned. You may have noticed that we've done like two of these since Lamar. I it's just been it's been a mess. Uh, but here we are. We're here at the end of 2020, the end of this crazy, unprecedented year. Uh, and we're, we we made it. We crawled over the line. Uh, much we, like no, 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 we didn't cross yet. We've got oh. one final stint, and we saved the brand brand new, fresh set of sticker tires. Right, we have sticker stint, tires so. for this shit. Yeah, man, we 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 have been running a a shit show for uh, for a while for these <laughs> for five for years. Last, We've been like, running a shit show yeah, for five years. So, look, so uh, we we have absolutely sustained some pretty awful stints on some old used tires. So we've got a fresh set here for like. Last of twenty twenty. Oh, sure, we're not going to crash. Incredible. It could. It could still derail, man. I mean, oh, is, like we, it's, we, we it, are not out of this yet at it's all. It's endurance chat. Like, uh, of course, we're going to, to derail. Derailing is kind of like a product at the moment. Like, honestly, no, us, us, us even declaring twenty twenty being over is us derailing by even oh. assuming twenty twenty isn't going to come and do something stupid in the last uh, handful of days here. Uh, anyway. right, right. Anyway. Anyway, so sports cars, right? Those, yeah. those things, those things that go around the track real quick and zoom, zoom, the boom. Uh, Where we, we last left you all off with was preparing for Bahrain. <laughs> oh yes, that was that was so long ago. Let's talk about that Bahrain race because it was the WEC finale. It was the finale of the longest season in WEC history in terms of days. It was motorsport uh, history. In motorsport history, in fact. I'll just say it. I'll say it. I haven't even looked it up, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Oh, I mean, how many seasons go longer than 18 months? Calendar seasons? I, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Um, so, yeah, the WC finale. What were your thoughts on the eight hours of Bahrain, the end of season eight? Um, because this is being recorded so late, we were able to watch both uh, uh, rounds when uh, Formula One went. And so, obviously, everyone will agree with me when I say that they should just do the outer loop for everything <laughs> and make it into, like, the, you know, the American in me here, Bristol or Martinsville of uh, WC, or just, like, just a Norris ripping or something. It's a grade one track that does lap times in essentially a minute, probably a minute and two seconds for Toyota if they were to run LMP1H there. I think that would be a brilliant race if they would have done that. That's the that's the yeah, conclusion that I draw. Uh, I drew yeah, from but the thing watching is, the eight hours of Bahrain is that would have been such a better show if it was on the yeah, outer loop. I no, but the the best part of the Bahrain track is the infield, and I mean, yeah, you're right. The the, the show for the WEC eight hours was kind of lame. I think that's more to do with the fact that there was like the smallest entry list in WEC history, uh, which is. Yeah. More of a and that, and that would that would have totally helped out, like spread st- spread everybody out. Well, it wouldn't have spread everybody out just because the track is so short. Yeah, so fair. you would have had tons of overtaking potential for accidents, uh, which is everybody's forte apparently, and yeah. uh, and then uh, lots of strategy, potential safety cars. I think that would have been great. Um, 
I, just quickly, yeah, we have I, we have Alex 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21 in the chat saying the infield is the worst part, and that is an absolutely wrong opinion, and you should feel ashamed of yourself. Uh, I will I will tend to agree more with him than you. What? No, it's yeah. the, it's just the, not the run back down the hill is like one of the best sequences in racing because you can set up so many passes in that middle section. I, you guys are hey, all just what? 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 You mean down? You mean you mean the off camber like double apex like like uh, chicane? Or not chicane, like hairpin that you can lock up and run wide, and that's what lo- uh, caused uh, the yeah. British driver to lose the championship. Yeah, because because Dream. you've you've got to you can make the move there because the the racing line swings wide. So if you tug the inside line, you can get the upper ground. But if you mess it up, you're going wide. You're going off into the sand. You're going off in the desert. That's why it's that's such- like a trickster corner. And I don't and I don't I don't appreciate those corners. I don't but, respect those corners. Well, I, I, I respect like I respect Radion and Rouge That you know that that kind of stuff where you like or like uh, most sport turn two where you like. There's commitment behind what you're doing. In I mean, that yeah, corner. but you can't make a pass through turn two, can you? Yeah, oh, yeah, you could. Oh, yeah, you could. Anyway, back to Bahrain. Uh, <laughs> so the overall battle: Toyota number seven versus Toyota number eight. Uh, the number seven yeah, got thrilling, away. The... Compelling. Oh, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about P two instead. Um, yep. That went down to the wire. There was a few really interesting moments in the P two race uh, that really helped carry the race through. It was Yoda Sport versus jcdc and that went absolutely to the final lap i think it was one or two seconds aligned pretty good very good racing i mean I, I, it's kind of what when when we would probably do previews of all of the rounds we would say yeah that would this is this is potentially going to happen in this race mm. and honestly for different reasons it you know this kind of racing that we saw at Bahrain could have easily happened in any of the other rounds just because of how close the lmp2 field is but i also I find it interesting too, even though that uh, I guess we had such close competition and it just felt like throughout the entire race when you, you still have like the ebb and flow of different driver ratings and skill set that uh, just kind of still seem to, you know, be at par with each other throughout the entire race in a lot of the LMP2 field. Mm. And then just with the United Autosport kind of having a lot of shells to shoot at its feet off with, (laughs) um, kind of, you know, really brought a lot of the what if factor to the literally to the top step of the of that class podium. So Yeah. And United for the first time in twenty twenty, the only time in twenty twenty in fact, did not win the race. And they, as you said, had a lot of goes at shooting themselves in the foot. They picked up a penalty for uh, I think some sort of driving infringement, they picked up a penalty because because uh, Albuquerque rear-ended someone heading into the pit lane, which was hilarious and i think the most hilarious part of that was uh whoever he rear-ended i'm trying to remember off the top of my head it was one of the it was the joda car i think it was felix da costa one of them basically saying i think he's still back in imsa because that's a reference to what happened at petit le mans where was it montoya yeah, yeah. just plowed into the back of uh, another car or yes. was it yeah someone plowing or, into the back no of- no the best part was him arguing that it should be a racing incident it's like what are you talking about man <laughs> that, that's not a racing incident you ran into the back of him like heading into pit lane he was going like the speed limit and you hit the guy going into the speed limit like i i don't know I, there's a lot of there's a lot of things wrong with that statement that i don't yeah. think i didn't even say to him so like that i thought i thought was the uh the most hilarious part of that it was deal, but, it was quite hilarious man. But yeah, yeah, their first, their only loss of 2020. That is astonishing. Yeah, right. For a spec class, for a spec class with amateur drivers, to 
to do that, it absolutely shows you the quality of their team, their personnel, their engineering, uh, and of course, you know, their fake silvers in Phil Hansen and Will Owen. But uh, and and your Ben Oyter for that matter as well. Um, but they finished fourth. They didn't even finish on the podium. It's kind of wild. Yeah, that's uh, and again, I mean, it's just a kind of a testament to how close the the class is really, um, and just how. Uh, I mean, even though United Autosports have been dominant, how quickly you can kind of lose touch with the front of the pack if you make a mistake like that or if you have a couple of mistakes like that and that just ended up being too big of a mistake too late in the race for him. Yep. Uh, something I also wanted to pull out that P2 battle. We talked about uh, the, the battle for the end. That was incredibly good. But they've been really the protagonists this season, Jota, JDDC, and United. I really want to be uh, give a big shout out to... Uh, racing team Netherlands, who took home, I think it's they took home third place, which is pretty impressive. Uh, they did get a little bit of a free kick with the safety car uh, helping bring them back into the fold after Fritz had finished his drive time. But third place for racing team Netherlands, that's awesome. Yeah, but, and well deserved. I mean, they they, I mean, I I I pulled for them a lot just from the uh, just kind of from the aspect that they're not they're. They're not like a big dog in LMP2, which is kind of weird to say. But yeah, there's there's definitely some powerhouses in LMP2. And really, I mean, they have elevated themselves up pretty pretty decently over the last like couple of years. And mm. uh, just good to see them come out with a podium at just a, for the season super season finale. Yeah, and interesting as well, they were the top-placed Michelin team. So we talk, we've been talking about the, the battle in P2, the tire battle between the Goodyear's and the Michelin. Goodyear absolutely smashed it. So, uh, yeah, very well done for them. Uh, what else really was interesting and intriguing about that WEC race? Hmm, well, uh, GT Pro was sort of meh. It was very it really meh. wasn't. There wasn't a. <laughs> I was really selling that. Um, I mean, cheer, cheers, round of applause to AMR. Uh, yeah, the, but, the most uh, exciting part of the GTE Pro race was AMR having to do a brake change. Yes, like oh, brake brake change, and everybody everybody getting really excited about that because that was literally <laughs> the the most exciting thing about that. Um, GTM would probably be it, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. the, the GTM was a bit topsy turvy because again, you have the whole driver time mess. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but even still, like, you want to know who won GTM? It was the same people who won every other GTM race. It was Team Project One, AF Corsa, and Empty Proto. Actually, no, that's a lie. We were expecting AMR to to be in the mix, but they were well down. I'm trying to remember why the Aston Martins had such a shocking race. They were both over a lap behind. Yeah, I uh, I I was writing a couple notes for this, and uh, at least on a on some form of scratch paper when the interviews were happening, and I do not recall they did interview a couple of them like TF Sport, uh, but I didn't get specifically like what the issue was. So, um, apparently, according to Kiwi Chris in our chat, uh, PDL may have had an oof, so not sure why uh, but even still the the team project one the the mentos car also had an off which shredded the pro ferrari's tires so yeah it was a bit of a weird one gtm kind of got and this is this is, is a, a a criticism of the wec broadcasting on the whole uh but gtm tends to get lost in in the ether because you have Differing driver ratings, uh, driver time requirements, very different strategies. And when you have a race which was 
eight hours, which very comfortably made the 52-minute highlights a little bit boring. Uh, you really should be focusing on the complexities of a class such as GTM or for the ELMS, uh, LMP3, because LMP3 is the same story. No one knows what's going on in LMP3 unless you're literally there with a, a lap chart and a timer to time the pit stops. So yeah, it's it's a bit... They missed an opportunity to really show the, uh, the complexities and the real uh, product of GTM. Uh, in it's hard my to show that though, hard to show. It's hard to show that. I think the I think the best thing that they could do is come up with some in, some graphic something. You know, just just something that that either estimates or charts gives it a little bit more of like a okay this then that kind of deal. Because I I think if you're trying to highlight that directly, like you know, uh, you know, having the announcers constantly keep you updated with explaining kind of like you know, the give and take with some of this, especially with the time pit stops, like mm. that's going to be difficult to do. I think just coming up with some graphics and stuff. And even if it's just manually inputting some of this, just so that you're giving some of the viewers a heads up of what, like, like what they're looking at or just familiarizing yeah. themselves with a format that, that is a little bit more palatable than just them explaining it would go a whole lot more. Yeah, way. Like, imagine, because you if, have to do that now. Yeah. Imagine if you had uh, a, a graphic that came up uh, next to the, AM classes, uh, so like the the P two and the GTEM cars, which showed the driver rating of the car, the driver in the car. Like, imagine if you know they got those four quadrants, right? Imagine if one of those quadrants was the driver rating. So you have the blue circle with a gold corner, or a silver corner, or a bronze corner, and then right. maybe yeah, like you know, simple stuff like that that just kind of adds a little extra texture. Um, you know, so you don't have to keep explaining those things. Uh, instead, you you get to see them visually. Um, because yeah, the the drive time especially system. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit messed up system. I get it, but I mean, I, I think yeah, I think something a little bit more where you're embracing that aspect of it, and you're more you're trying to bring more definition to this, like just to give. You know, and us grizzly seasoned veteran fans are already know kind of a lot of this yeah. stuff, the basic stuff already. But it's all it's just to kind of get other people more a little bit up to speed or aware of what this is, or going like, okay, what does that mean? Asking those questions, which really will drive hopefully more of the discussion. If that is a, a crappy way of doing it, let's fix it or you know make it a little bit better. So mm. I wish oh. that they did something like that. Yeah, exactly. And it would just, it would just, you know, be very small things. What they call in sports, those one percenters that really just bring the broadcast more to life. Um, I do still quite like the eight hours of Bahrain as a race. I think starting in the daylight and going into darkness, that transition period with the sunset. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and yeah. And the, the the gratuitous slow-mos through golden hour. Oh my God. Oh, oh. That's but he's having an accident once again. <laughs> I'm constantly having an accident, mate. Um, yeah, uh, it would be so much better with the outer loop. So oh, shut up! Shut up! Go. Can you go imagine on. like so, those, you know, the, those S's and how like how rhythmic for about like a good twenty seconds that lap is for the F1 cars, and how like you'd have to be, you have to time it perfectly with the the Toyotas, especially when you're going with that much speed. Ah, uh, it'd be so great so great it would be it would be different i fantastic uh, mm-hmm. uh, print it uh, i'd maybe like to see a test there one day you know what they should do fantastic. you know what they should do cookie they should do what? the endurance loop at bahrain that would be a great no don't the endurance loop is 
a trash circuit. Yeah, thank you. That immediately would, that would immediately in the chat, we've got a, a string of eels. <laughs> that, would, that would be amazing to see. Uh, well, I mean, you could essentially have Toyotas that would have just like lap times that would fluctuate between like five to six seconds slower just from mm. that because they would be stuck behind a gt car for like four or five turns because yeah, you wouldn't see, be able to do anything that's that's why i am not entirely sh- sold on the outer loop as a wec venue because there is one corner that you could really get stuck behind a gt car and it would ruin your day and that's that fast chicane on the on the back end I, I think... Road Atlanta would like some words. Road Atlanta is great, though. <laughs> oh, oh, so, oh, yeah, oh, oh, hold on. I apologize. I was reading the other book. Let me let me pull out the right book here. And, and Okay, there we go. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Road Atlanta is great. And, Road Atlanta is great. Um, and Bahrain's twisty bits are not great. Bahrain's back, twisty please. bits are... No, no, no. no. What I'm saying is... <laughs> what I'm saying is... You say <laughs> there's like one corner you can get held up at if you do the outer loop at Bahrain. If you do the infield, which is the, the GP circuit, there are so many other variables that you've got to think about. Road Atlanta, you have like the entire first section, you get stuck behind a GT car, you're screwed. The uh, hairpin at the end of the uh, the far end of the circuit, or the double right-hander, if you get stuck behind a GT car there, it's very difficult to overtake on that second right-hander. It looks a lot easier than it actually is because it's off camber and it's going away. Uh, and then, of course, the chicane and the run down the final corner. Like, just because there's a lot of straight line doesn't make it easier to overtake all the time. Whereas at Bahrain, it does because there are, like, four 90-degree corners and a chicane. Like, it's... Perfect opportunity. Almost trivial. It's, a, it's amazing, yeah. And you have to go fast. You have to go fast. It's it's literally just Gotta like... Gotta go fast. In the, as- in the aspect of, like, how quickly... You can fall behind and be half a lap behind and stuff. Like yeah. there is an urgency to how how quickly that lap time makes you push and have to pass cars in weird spots and keep up with everybody else. Yeah, so, fine. I don't know, man. I don't uh, know. I, I feel I feel like I can make a good argument for this, dude. Okay, like okay. Can... Well, when Creventic redesigns their calendar and goes to Bahrain, we'll suggest Ooh. the outer loop for him. We should, we should. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, if I can, if I can find a flight over there, I'll hold a banner that says "Do the Outer Loop." <laughs> yeah, fair. Dirty dogs. Uh, okay. WC season on the whole. What is? What are your thoughts? The truncated super season. Um, it was everything we thought it was going to be. Really? And less. And less. <laughs> um. Yeah. Remember, remember I mean... this season. This season was meant to end at Le Mans in June. It was meant to, we were already meant to be three races deep into the LMH era at this point. Uh, and we, insofar, had the longest break between races with no race for the WEC between February and August. Yes, those are facts. Those are uh, facts. How do those facts make you feel? feel uh yeah i mean it is um <laughs> it's it was an experiment that kind of went bad because of extenuating circumstances and you can kind of say that with a whole lot of the lmp 1h era to end it um but i think again they did i guess the best that they could with what they had and i mean i'm grateful that it wasn't just uh more than you know one race that toyota just had themselves to play with um, and that the LMP2 Hot. battle did go that far. So. Yeah, true. 
<laughs> Keep in mind, like, at Bahrain, LMP2 got an overall podium. I mean, that's because there was only two cars in the top class, but still, yeah. like, how many times can you say that LMP2 has an overall podium? Do you count that, though? That's, like, that's like Astro territory, you know? You can't, like, you can't count that. Hey, I mean, Rebellion have three LMP1 privateer titles. Do you count them? Yeah. Do you not count them? Yeah. It, it, it does feel weird, and I'll say this, just because from an aspect that, really, in the, the, the championship is in a very, very, very weak spot right now, and, um, but... The, right now? Uh, the... Right, and that's and that's the thing is that this is this feels a whole lot like ALMS folding, but then doing this whole merging stuff outside of the aspect that the other side is actually is the ownership group and you kind of sold your stuff to them. So it's like, uh, anyway, yeah. um, but it did feel a little bit like that with uh, if you're ALMS fan back in like 2012, 2013 when they were on like kind of their death throes and this merger kind of came along and it was just kind of like the okay, there's stuff to look forward to, you know, like yeah. this wasn't great. But there's, you know, we have a, a crazy interesting future. And I yeah. feel like we're at, that's the same, that, we're at the same point here. Absolutely. We'll talk a bit about that later on because there has been news, my friends. There has been news. I think Kiwi Chris in our live chat has summed it up pretty well. Um, this season, we got through it. And, and that's all you really need to say. We've gotten through the end of LMP1. We've gotten through a coronavirus pandemic, worldwide pandemic. Uh, and we've gotten through the, the leanest entry lists that the WC has ever seen. So we've gotten through and we can reset afresh and a new next year for the WEC. Staying in the same sort of boundary, that weekend was also the IMSA finale. Did you go to the IMSA finale at Sebring? The 12 hours yes, of Sebring? How was it? I did. Uh, it was great. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I... I actively decided to not watch the race so you are gonna have to help me out a little bit here what happened in the imsa 12 hours of sebring oh wow uh put me right on the spot here for uh for a quick recap of something that happened a mere month ago yeah uh with my wonderful memory is really bold of you sir so i just want to just throw that out there first uh just 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 quickly before you get into it we've had three people in the chat uh one person say who cares the other person said i forgot there was a 12 hours of (laughs) sebring ouch um... (laughs) well you know so i really liked it from an aspect that uh the team that won uh being uh my dudes from the land of the rising sun uh I believe. Mazda? Right? <laughs> Acura? See I'm, I'm, see, I'm trying. I'm trying very desperately. Very desperately. Nissan. Yeah. Nissan? <laughs> no. Lexus. Uh, no, it was, it was, it was, no. It was a good race. Um, It was definitely lacking on entries. So, just from the aspect of, like, what you normally see from, um, uh, from a normal 12 hours of Sebring, uh, it was all just really strange. So, you had a lack of entries, like, on the track and also on the infield. Yep. So it was definitely very lean. There was a, not a lot of people there. Um, and realistically, everybody was keeping to themselves and doing what they could to not be awful. And um, and the people that were like uh, stalwarts of there in the infield, um, I think all were very recognizable of that. And so that was, that was pretty good. Um, I probably wouldn't do it again if it was happening right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hopefully with March coming up and whatnot uh, and how... Hopefully, with some vaccines being distributed, it'll be a little bit easier to justify going out there to do it. But I know Daytona is a different story, and a month 
from now. But yeah, it was um, that was definitely on everybody's mind. I think there, um, but the on track action was pretty good. Um, just obviously, like you know, there's just something to be said to have that many cars on the track. So um, I think that that did definitely withdrew a little bit of intensity with it. Um, there was some interesting battles to be had, but a lot of it too was on strategy. Um, but it was good. I, I think from like just a, just a heartfelt aspect of it, like I, I, I liked seeing everybody who won one. So like uh, the GTD winner with it being right motorsports. So with Patrick Long oh, nice. um, getting, yeah, getting the win there. Um, and then all, the Porsche doing a one, two on their final farewell, pretty much of their, uh, of their GT run uh, as a factory team. That was pretty cool. Um, so, and then obviously like with Mazda winning, and I, I would say this is like their one, this is their biggest win that they've had the yet. Um, you know, just from yeah. the aspect of how demanding and tough the track is sure. It's not 24 hours, but, um, you know, I consider this and Daytona to be pretty much, um, if you win one of these, like, you know, that pretty much beats anything else that you've won in the calendar, you know, mm, and I know that they've won Watkins Glen, except Lamar, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I think. For them, that was a huge. That was a just that was just a big win, and um, and it was just good to see like a lot of Mazda fans getting uh getting kind of because that's how I would feel, man. I mean, like just winning Sebringer Daytona is, or obviously Petite too, and and Watkins Glen are, are big, but those two in particular, I think, are huge. Um, mm. just with the story, the his, the history behind them. So, but I I had a great time. Um, and yeah, nice. it was uh it was definitely an extraordinary set of circumstances. Yeah, I'll say well, that. This is this is a very interesting sort of thing for me uh, because I've been to three motorsport events this year and all of them were pre-COVID. You, on the other hand, have been to, I think it was now five motorsport events. Is that right yeah. this year? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is a completely different attitude in terms of countries. Now, but like, I'm a little jealous that you've had the opportunity to go to these motorsport events. Like it's, it just straight up has not been yeah. an option over here. Yeah, it's uh that has been a a weird blessing, and I, I mean, and I'll be honest, right? Like you know, it's um, and I, I'm very opinionated on on a certain aspect of this, so I'm I have way too many you know hand sanitizers and all the all kinds of stuff and masks and, and whatnot, and um you know, and I, I'm one to definitely be trying to point out to. to to myself and uh, and people around me too as well, just to make sure we're doing everything if there's something egregious and whatnot. So, but at the same time too, it is good to be able to go to these things at least just from the availability of it as well. Just for me as a fan to be able to support them, to show them that like I'm I like you know I'm willing to at least um you know take a just a slight risk on myself, but taking the right precautions that I think yeah. are going to put me in a safe spot to still enjoy your, the entertainment that you're putting on. And yeah. I think that that, I wanted to make sure that I was doing a little bit of that just from a fan aspect. Cause I feel like it's, yeah, it's this year is definitely going to be crazy when you're looking back on it. So yeah. So I mean, let's look different back events on, too. Yeah. So. Let's, let's look back on 2020, the, the unprecedented year that is 2020. I think that's been easily the word of the year, uh, everywhere around the world. Um, let's get the, the shit stuff out of the way first. What, has been your disappointments of 2020 where do you start really in terms of sports cars uh because it's been a difficult atmosphere to to watch sports car racing uh through throughout this year so yeah there's wh- wh- where do we start where do we start with the disappointments of 2020 
well, there's still the rollovers of the other years too. So you know, like um, you know, driver ratings that are are terrible. Yeah, um, true. And then the time pit stops and all that stuff with the SRO crap for Spa. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Um, you know, even with the Nür- Nürburgring a little bit too with that. So I'll just again, those are just you know legacy stuff. Got to throw them in there, mention them. Um, yeah, I mean the uh, underwhelming aspect of the WC and IMSA car counts. Although again, it's part of a pandemic aspect with both of yeah. them. But at the same time, too, there's still that aspect that some of them are weaning down. You know, for reasons kind of unknown, when others are trying to bounce back up and and take over. So it's it's a weird. It feels like a transition year. It doesn't feel like everybody's kind of giving it their all. Yeah. In, you know, in it's, in a weird way. It, it was a a weird transition year on top of a global pandemic like i'll I, say for imsa and wc exclusively because yeah. i feel like in the, it, the 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 gt3 sro kind of deals those felt still as good as you could kind of get them to be um but it definitely felt like in wc and imsa that this was just a weird it was an it off was year just, for both of those it was just incredibly underwhelming like i yeah. i i'll be entirely honest i struggle to watch sports car racing this year i just it felt like a chore at times and i don't like my free time feeling like a chore uh so i for imsa like for some reason i just couldn't get imsa tv to work the entire year the only way i was able to actually watch any imsa events was either the youtube replays weeks later or someone sharing me the direct VLC link. I just couldn't get it to work. I tried different browsers. I turned off my ad blockers, blah, 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 blah. Just couldn't get it to work. And at some point, I was just like, you know, why do I even... Why am I even trying? I'm not really enjoying watching IMSA anyway. And then the WEC, I didn't watch Bahrain Live. I still haven't watched Coda. Uh, the only race that I really enjoyed for the WEC this year was Le Mans. And of course, it was Le Mans. It's always Le Mans. The... And then on the other hand as well, even the ELMS and the SRO, like while they were as you know strong and as normal as they ever have been, I didn't get that same like wow factor from them. Like last year, the ELMS was the best series series of the entire year, but I just didn't. It, it didn't have that same sort of feeling again. I, I don't know. I well, just United found it difficult. Walked over a lot of a lot of that stuff. I think a lot mm. of the X factors were kind of eliminated this year by United Autosport just actually yeah. showing up and being United Autosport this year and walking away with everything so i feel like the championship aspect plays a lot into some some of how some of these drivers race and how their attitudes work and just with united just kind of clinically cleaning up everything it uh it removed a lot of that mm. that aspect it almost just became the the you know um the chase the default the yeah chasers. yeah yeah and and uh we have uh someone in the chat Johan, saying uh yeah elms was boring because of united so yeah exactly so it was it, it, it kind of made made things difficult, made things a lot more, yeah, a lot less interesting to watch, a lot less enjoyable uh, for me personally. It was, and, and on top of that, you know, someone's asking how much of that is, you know, the feeling of the world and how things were going worldwide versus the racing atmosphere on track, and you know, that's certainly a, a, a good a good question. Uh, but on the other hand, like I've found much more enjoyment watching premier league soccer and cricket and stuff like that on in contrary so it's yeah it's it's been a bit it's been hard to be a sports car fan and and like on top of that as well we've had it was a barrage of bad news you know we had uh, uh rebellion 
announced the end of their program and then announced that they're not going to do the race after Le Mans. We've had Junetta not run a race lap all year. Remember that? Remember that car, guys? The one that we, we had our sticker on? Didn't run a race lap all year. It's, it's, there's been, a, you know, the closing of the Porsche program in the States, uh, Porsche and Corvette not coming over to Europe for Le Mans. There was just a barrage of bad news and it made it very difficult to get excited about sports cars in my, in my opinion. Yeah. And you're not wrong at all. I, I, those are all just, it, they're, they're all tough pills to swallow. You kind of all had to bear with them while dealing with everything else that was going on in the world. And then also then once it's, coming back up it's all jumbled and and you know certain rounds aren't there you're you know we're substituting some of these races for others and so you you don't get that same kind of feeling because we're running sometimes some of the same tracks twice yeah so even for for imsa i should say and uh so there's there's definitely kind of just a dilution of the the championship a little bit this year with them which is just kind of a bummer to um yeah. you know but hey uh, again it's just the best of, I feel like what they could do at the time, and this is, you know, uh, at least for both of them, for everybody's sake, is it, there there's, appears to be brighter skies ahead at yeah. this point. Yeah, ahead. No, maybe not in the immediate future with things like the Bathurst 12 hour being cancelled because Australia has very, very stringent international entry uh, precautions at the moment and no GT cars in it, well, no GT competitors in Australia to prop up the event by itself. So we've still got a little bit of ways to go yet. Um, but I think, uh, Johan, once again, in the chat, summing it up, uh, sad kazoo has become far and away the most user mode on this server <laughs> for this year. Yeah, that's, that's the most appropriate. Uh, we all yeah, feel wow. like Toyota at the end of the 2016 Lamar. Uh, that was such a sad kazoo. <laughs> uh, had to squeeze it in. Always had to squeeze it in. What are, what are your thoughts on the whole? How have you been finding watching racing this year? Um, it's been, uh, it's been a good relief. Um, you know, and again, I'll say that I, I've been, you know, I've wanted to go to these races in person just from a wanting to pay respect fan wise and show my support, but also just kind of, it is nice. I mean, just from a, uh, personal enjoyment aspect, just to mm. kind of like, uh, watch and listen to some race cars in person, um, through all this. So, uh, and I know I feel like, uh, I'm, you know, the same about with everybody else that they have a specific thing that, you know, just kind of relaxes them and kind of gets them kind of maybe even resets them or anything like that. And I felt like some of the times I was at those racetracks that it had helped me a lot more this year than it has in other times, just chat, just to kind of listen and just let the ambience of the racetrack kind of be, be a little bit of a thing, especially at the 12 hours. That was really good. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so I feel like that, you know, being at the racetrack this year was really, really helpful for me just to even just to kind of recharge me a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so I appreciate it just from that aspect. But yeah, I mean, it was it, I felt like it was a grind. I mean, mm. uh, if I could if I could describe it, it was, it's just it's it was been an unholy grind for, you know, since July, essentially, and rolling almost all the way through November. And I didn't I didn't know how much I would actually appreciate sometimes the breaks that you get in between, you know, the middle of the season where you're just kind of like, man, I wish there was some racing right now. But like holy crap, man! There at the end, I was so much racing. I was, I was, re I was really okay with not watching some rounds, and I still ended up watching everything, which I <laughs> still don't know how I did. So, I'm gonna enjoy this slight time off, as then everybody resets for what appears to be a regular season, which m might all be TBD'd. Yeah, so we'll see. I think everything is still TBD'd at the moment. Um, and that's an incredible point you bring up there. I, I think 
when they first started racing coming back, I think when it was the Creventic 12 hours of Algarve or 24 hours of Algarve, and we just had something to watch, the collective exhale, the the just breath of fresh air, it was just so refreshing. So I think it kind of goes to show how much like we've... Uh, we not that we rely on these things to sort of uh, act as an escape, but it was just it, it was so nice to just have racing back again, and that was one of the good moments of 2020. Um, I do want to backtrack just a little bit and talk about Janetta because we have been avoiding doing this all year, but I think there has to be a, a bit of a post mortem on the Janetta. G60 program uh, because boy howdy did did things go wrong <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah 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 pretty much most of the pri- we can pretty much say that for all the privateers except yeah for well I mean okay okay so so they, they seem to be the only competent one that actually stood which is ridiculous i mean basically it was rebellion and toyota to stand alone being the only competent people at the dinner table while everybody decided to like pee well, themselves and stab themselves with a dinner fork well like, not, I, I don't not, not, not not exactly i mean smp were competent they you know one oh sorry yeah and then, yeah, and then S- the baby took up took their food and like and threw it away and then ran away like yeah you're right so i mean they 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 said that they achieved the maximum that they could with that car and then a week after that the success ballast system was implemented and so you have you have to expect that they knew about that being implemented and then just decided not to anyway but anyway i no way really you think you think that they there is no way that the aco wouldn't have said if you stick around for another week, we are implementing this brand new success ballast. There, there, there is no way they were in the dark about that. You can't, you can't leave someone in the dark about that after they announce the cessation of a program. Yeah, but but again, like my my point is that you're you're citing competence for you know reasons <laughs> why that they that they didn't do this, and I'm citing that it's more likely that there was incompetence involved with this than anything else. Yeah, so, fair. I, yeah. Okay. Anyway, another SMP, Janetta, right? So, I I think for those who may have come in the last season or so of WEC, we 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 should talk a bit more about the whole program because really, it's not just this year or this season that things have been going wrong. It's been a a a process of bad luck and bad preparation, uh, which kind of again led to one of the LMP1 teams not running a lap all year. Like, it's is it ridiculous to, to think that? Like, I mean, one of the, the people for the nominations to the Best of 2020 Awards on the on the subreddit nominated, uh, like, our logo, the, the R slash WEC logo being on the Janetta as the best moment of 2020. Like, it didn't even run a lap. That was last year. That was 18 months ago that that all happened. It didn't even run a lap. So we got to... It's it's a it's a long and dire process, but let's get into it. Let's let's talk you through what we think happened with Janetta because there's a lot. So for those who don't know, Janetta almost got a P2 tender. So you know how there's four P2 manufacturers. Janetta was almost one of them. Uh, they uh, uh they got rejected at the last minute, and that was after they basically saved the LMP3 class as well when the LMP3 class was first implemented. That was a slap in the face. That was. Sure. I, and, like, I can certainly see Janetta and Lawrence Tomlinson being very, very mad about that because, you know, they basically 
came to the rescue of a class that was going to, you know, not get off the ground. And then in return, they got a, like a slap in the face. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the consensus at the time was that, I mean, if you're going to give it to Riley, then we better actually see them make chassis and do, and do something with it. Because at the time it, it was kind of like, okay, well they had came off of the, the dot, the SRT Dodge Viper program. And, you know, in terms of running, managing, and kind of even building some of those cars. So you knew at least that they had some OEM technical prowess with it. So you kind of thought, all right, well, if they take that kind of stuff, rather technologies, and he was still racing, well, then hopefully this will go somewhere. And it, holy God, didn't. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, became, it became worse when, the, when Riley didn't do it. When it became almost essentially a stillborn. And Janetta was still a, you know, a decent, still upstarting company that was still trying to do stuff in inside the ACO framework. And yeah. just didn't and, get any of her. And so, like, they 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 took this P2 project and were like, well, how about we just make it into a P1? And, like, that was awesome. You know, they, they announced that at the beginning of 20, 2017. So this was just after Audi pulled out that they were like, okay, we're going to jump into LMP1. That's that's awesome. That showed the great a great amount of faith in the class and in the in the category. And it was, it, you know, it got people very excited because here we have this young, well, not this young, this upstart British brand coming in to, to race in the WC. And that was really cool. And uh, the chassis at all from all reports was incredible. And then we get to the engine. So Mechachrome, uh, a, a, a engine supplier for Formula 2, had never done an endurance racing engine, uh, and they promised a lot. They promised that it would be they'd make, build an engine, a turbocharged V6, and it would be ready and it would be on the mark. And you got to think uh, when your alternatives are a a Gibson V8, which at the time did not fit into the rules because it had it was I think it was too thirsty for the the category. Um, an AER, which is proven to blow up, a Judd V10 that is just, you know, also proven to blow up, and then a bespoke manufacturing program for a brand new engine supplier that has proven results in other series. Like, that's a pretty pretty big um, boon for, for Janetta to jump in on that. Um, but unfortunately, come the prologue, it was... Uh, very obviously down on power and the prologue results show that they were you know if you believe the the hubble blue about the chassis they were still the slowest cars on track including the bicolors so that's not really a great start to, uh to the to the janetta lifestyle well the janetta lifestyle it is like it's it well it was a lifestyle it tended to being you know, mm, yeah that, that uh poor performance aspect of it but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the uh, the weird part is, I, I mean, we, we were here talking about it when it was kind of going yeah. through all this stuff. So I remember having the conversations about it and, we're, you know, it was like, look, it, it, they don't have the experience with the endurance factor, but the engine, they have to manufacture so many, you know, that y- you would assume their quality control is, is pretty high. So they would have potential for, to make reliability out of some of their engine blocks and just from what they're doing at their own shop. Um, you know, so that they would be more up for the challenge than maybe AER who were proven to not know what they were doing. So I, I feel like maybe taking the risky unproven approach is not that it wasn't that crazy, I think, for Jenna uh, at the time. Mm. But just every little thing that kind of could have like tilted their way just ended up not tilting their way. And they did not help themselves when it didn't tilt their way. And it just like kept snowballing on them. And that, yeah. 
that's really the unfortunate part because I was I still was pulling for him even when they you know had the manner issues which we'll talk about so um that even after that that they were still trying to find um some some you know actual hookups to get some of these things to go out on the track was was uh was still very cool to see and I was definitely pulling for him but you know just <laughs> issue after issue after issue and you could say mistake yeah. or mistake or whatnot but yeah. Well, I, I, they they talked a lot. They talked a huge game in the lead up to the the prologue about having possibly ten customers, ten two team customers, two car customers uh, ahead of the first race of the season. So they they basically announced customers that I, I think amounted to nothing more than expressions of interest in the end, and none of them ended up being takers except for Manor. And we all remember how that went with the the cars getting sent to Spa-Francorchamps and doing an installation lap in each of the practice sessions and then never being seen again because the money hadn't come through from Mana. So it's... it, it, it Even going back before then, uh, when one of our power users at the time, Alex Sinclair, went to the, the, the show at the Geneva Auto Show where that car was revealed and commented that, you know, this doesn't look like it's been, uh, you know done properly it looks like it's been rushed it looks like they put these stickers on as the doors have been opened it's it kind of set alarm bells off in my head i'm not sure if it set them off in your head but as history will show it's uh it really well i mean when mana ran out of money and went under the the cars were pulled from the season and like that that was it for the 2018 2019 season uh and it was over in a flash Rest yep. in peace, the blue boy. And you, you, when you get that far behind the eight ball, so much in sports car racing, it's just so hard to climb back from it. And you know it, what hurts is just how far that they got with the car and everything else. That, and they almost needed that like last five to ten percent to get them to like the finish line, which would just be just you know standard operations for a season or two, you know, and then just to see where that goes from there, you know, get some momentum here or there by just being there competing and being yeah. available to take advantage of anything. And they just could not do it. And yeah. that's just the really terrible part about it. Yeah. They, they, they just didn't have, um, they didn't have the, the, the data at the end of the day to actually, to, by being at these events, you know, you're missing out on testing, you're missing out on competing, you're missing out on learning. Um, and apparently I'm not sure if I'm, I'm not sure if this has been privy or in the, the public domain, but uh, apparently Dragon Speed after they pulled after the Sebring event that year, the twelve hours of Sebring or the thousand kilometers or whatever, 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 whatever the Sebring, um, they wanted to switch chassis for Le Mans. They wanted to go from the BR one to the Janetta, and the ACO barred it because they weren't allowed to change chassis within the season. So, can you imagine if Dragon Speed had actually jumped in that Janetta and put in a good result at at Le Mans? Maybe they could have gained enough data more data or been given an opportunity to attract a customer because yet again come the start of the 2020 or 2019 2020 season they arrived without a customer i don't blame either Mm. (laughs) like well i mean yeah I, i so it's yeah they 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 promised a lot and i think for um for that to be I don't know. I mean, I don't know for that to be really much of an issue. They would have, you know, basically kind of squandered a lot of stuff. And really, I mean, they they made some gaffes here and there. And 
chose not to spend when they should have. Um, yeah. But at the at the end of the day, though, too, I, I think if if there was an issue with marketing, I mean, I feel like that would have been that would have been something more that would have come up with it. I just there either wasn't the market for what they wanted to do or there wasn't that, you know, they didn't showcase that enough or they well, didn't, you know, well, I mean, you know, just like take a step back that they needed to. Cause I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see where it necessarily went wrong. I just, I, I see where the, where everything outside of the, the car itself, you know, yeah. was just not handled correctly for so long that eventually, you know, the, the wells are going to start running dry, which they did. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly, exactly right. Things just never seem to pick up steam. And the, the the one time it looked like things were picking up steam, the one time things looked like they might be on track was the preseason Aragon test. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if you remember this, Cookie, but there was all of a sudden a lot of buzz around the Junetta at that preseason Aragon test, the, the Michelin tire test or whatever it was. Um, yeah. And uh, I know that uh, Graham Goodwin wrote up this massive... Um, report on the Janetta program at that test and said at the end of it, like, this car outstripped the other prototypes, it outstripped the other P1 cars. This is a serious car. And, you know, I mean, Graham Goodwin was a consultant on that project, so he might have a biased eye, sure. But you don't just outdo a Rebellion and a BR1 a BR just for no reason like that that showed some absolute critical pace in that chassis and yet they still did not manage to nail down a customer they still got to the the cutoff date for the entry of the 2021 se- or the 2019 2020 season without a customer so i i don't know how you can get to that point where there's that much buzz and that much hype and that much interest around a program and not nail down a customer. To me, that, that I think, is the biggest failing of the Janetta program because we saw that the chassis was capable of doing things. We saw that the car in the right hands had some good pace, particularly when Charlie Robertson were behind the wheel in the early races at Silverstone. But without a competent team running the car and that's not to say anything about the team that was running the car because they were literally the people working at Janetta at the time but without without a race team running and engineering that car there was no way they were ever going to be competitive and as 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 much as it pains me to 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 say that it really does not looking back on it it was never really a serious effort if they couldn't get a customer if they weren't going to pay someone to run the cars properly then it was never going to be a serious effort and uh, history shows that was the case yeah but then but then that means that we need to rewrite how we do you know uh, the top flight you know racing then it just literally becomes oems yeah then because then what's the point of having privateers there is no reason to have a privateer well, I mean, Rebellion were absolutely capable of being a privateer for however they're many not seasons. Here I mean, well, okay, yeah. So, yeah, they're not anymore. Fine. We got bicolors and and they're the last of the dinosaurs, and... the last of their species. They died out. Like, who who is going to take over for them? Janetta did offer, you know, while it was not the like, if, if Cadillac were to offer, you know, their Cadillac DPI to teams to be like, here, race this. 
it's a whole lot more sellable for a package for them because they're racing for overall wins and you also just have a package that's already pre-made for you. Janetta, on the other hand, I mean, went 70% of the way, I'd say. Yeah. And if you actually wanted to, you know, wanted to do it and spend the money and try to go with that and try to win it with that horse, like, then there you go. But I, I just feel like there, there, there is no competition for a direct competition for those privateers to really actually sell themselves on unless it's a rich guy that just wants to sit there and just compete and be faster than everybody else except the the OEMs, then I mean, clearly they, that doesn't exist anymore. Chris Dyson did it. And yeah, and he also rode rode that ship all the way down until <laughs> you know the last season for LMS too. And so but you know that doesn't you know, that doesn't exude confidence for me just from the aspect that like, you know, it just seems like the the age of the privateer is over until we actually have people that are interested and involved in like doing top flight, try to go for overall wins, which is which it feels like we're we're we've established the pattern that you have to have money and really good drivers. It's not, you know, and maybe a little bit of luck, but it's basically you got to have pace. Like you, you can't really just do win it on an X factor that you can come up with randomly well, for your privateer, I mean, and you have to settle for second essentially. Well, I, I like on one hand, I do, I, I do think that. A privateer racing in an OEM class in non-OEM equipment is always going to struggle. Like that is just, you do not have the resources as a privateer to throw money at things like you do as an OEM. Like there is a reason that Porsche, yeah, but it's a ginormous amount now. Yeah, exactly. It it, it, it's not like oh well, yeah, well they're they're using you know steel, so I'll use aluminum. You know, it's it's like no, they're using like fleets of like terabytes of data tons of like software engineers versus my two yeah you know and it's it, and it's like this this weird you know if, if you're smart about it you're going what am i doing like mm. why am i doing this like what am i getting out of this like i'm you almost kind of have to sell yourself a little bit more uh from this aspect than like i'm down for the challenge you're like i'm yeah i'm down for the challenge too yeah i'm, I'm down for the challenge of like seeing how long it takes me to put my hand in a like burning fire but i don't really that's probably not really a good idea to do it yeah yeah so, like that's that's fair but if you're if you're gonna have ambition, my my thinking is right. And correct me if I'm wrong. If you're gonna have ambition to do something like this, which Lawrence Tomlinson obviously did, uh, like Colin Collars and like uh, Rebellion Racing and like SMP, if you're gonna have ambition to do it, do it properly. Don't just half-ass it every step of the way, and that's what I feel like with this with the Geneta program. And uh, you know, we 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 get to we get to what Fuji, uh, we get to Lamar, we get to Fuji, we get to Bahrain. You know, components are failing that really shouldn't fail. Like, when was the last time that a LMP1 car, privateer or otherwise, had a gearbox fail? Those are things that shouldn't really fail. Like that to me sounds like it's that, teething. It's, yeah. yeah, it's 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 that's that's they're they're, un, they're understandable. Like, like, but all this is understandable. It, it, you know, I, I, I don't want to like. I, I'm definitely casting dispersion on their inability to to make this work. But at the same time, like, where, where, you know, all the stuff that kind of went on was just like, okay, well, yeah, that's what would happen if you have only spent well, this amount of time doing yeah, this. Like, exactly. It's the team, well the, documented that it was it was still in its very infancy stages yeah, with that the, program. The 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 teething problems to me are things like the wheel falling off of the pit stop at Silverstone. Like, that's... Okay, that's someone who hasn't done a race pit stop making a mistake in a race pit stop. Like, that's that's a teething issue, sure. But uh, the stuff like components failing when they shouldn't, that's that's not teething. That's a lack of investment. That's a lack of... Uh, lack, lack of... Yeah, lack of component maintenance or whatever. Whatever you want to call it. Um, 
you know, that Bahrain race, they had a legitimate shot of winning that race. I mean, Charlie Robertson was qualified in the front row. Yeah, he made a mistake at turn one, and I'm sure he feels awful about that. But the both neither car finished the race, and it was for an identical gearbox failure. And you would think that, you know, come Circuit of the Americas, where the success balance would have been weighted even more in their failure because they kind of skewed the entire curve at that point by not finishing, that they had the cards stacked in their favor, but they didn't get to the event. They had to take the cars back to 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 England to service them because they couldn't get the cars over to to Texas or to, to whatever to actually get them serviced in time. And then we never saw them again. And then they they were like they, they were there, I think, at Sebring for the test and then the next day Sebring was cancelled. And, like, you can say that's bad luck. You can say, you know, the change from Sao Paulo to, to Circuit of the Americas, that was bad luck. You know, they, they weren't able to, to make that adjustment in their, their time frame. Um, you could say that getting to Sebring on the brow of a global pandemic and getting having to go, go back home the next day, you can say that's bad luck. Uh, you can say that not having a customer is bad luck. You can say that having no team to run the cars outside of those whose job were to build components for the cars. Cause I mean, you can't do pit stop. You can't, you're not going to do pit stop practice on your lunch break. Right. You, you, you can say that's all bad luck, but at some element, the, it stops being bad luck and just, so, so what's this? Aluminium always says you make your own luck. I don't quite believe that. There's another saying that I've heard that I can't quite remember where it come from, but luck, but the saying that I've heard is luck is the intersection of preparation and opportunity. So at Bahrain and at Circuit of the Americas, they had opportunities to potentially take race wins, but their preparation absolutely wasn't there, whether it be because they had failures or because you, you're not counselling your driver to, to you know be civil on the turn one of an eight-hour race or because you haven't built the cars up properly, you haven't serviced them in time. That That's a lack of preparation, and they've missed out on those opportunities because of that. And then, yeah come this year Sebring got cancelled of course they didn't run at Spa because they didn't want to quarantine twice they didn't run at Lamar and apparently that was like they were on the entry list until eight days before Lamar and then they put then they disappeared and it was like well I, I think we had the conversation at that point after Spa I think it was me and you or me and Ollie do we see the Genetas again and honestly I, I remember all of us thinking that you know we probably wouldn't and history will show that that was the case. Yeah, I think this is just uh, it, this is just more of um, more of the same. And I mean, I think mm. that's that's what I think people are. Uh, I think if it comes down to it, where people are more, if you're upset about this, it's just kind of like this should have been different, or this that could have been different, and it just ended up kind of being it, it puttering could have out been the different. same way it, that a lot of these. It could have do. been so different. It could have been so different, uh, and to me, it it seemed like there was a complete divorce between the the performance of the car and the engineering of the car and what the car could do and who the people who work on the car and the people who were telling us these things and who were promoting it and who were looking for customers like if you can you imagine if 
Junetta got a customer, a single customer. You know, Ender's Fjordback was one of the named drivers for this Aragon test. Can you imagine if High Class Racing ran a Junetta for a season and it was Fjordback, Anderson, and Magnussen or some other Danish driver or Mark Patterson or whatever? Can you imagine if they had one season where they had a customer actually running the car and can you like and being an actual competitive race team like it would we could be sitting here talking about the grandfather Janetta effort that's going on next season as a potential race winner like it's it's yeah it's it, it feels like to me that well i think reflecting back on it there were it, it seemed half-assed or three quarter asked at every single step, and you're not gonna you're not gonna compete in the pinnacle of endurance racing, endurance sports cars, if you're not doing it, going the whole hog. That's my I totally thoughts. agree. Yeah, and I'm mad because we had yeah. a friggin' sticker on that car, and it was gonna race at Lamar, and I was yeah, gonna I be at Lamar to watch it with I the other heads of those friggin'. Because of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how much of this is because of that? Oh, uh, I, I mean. A not insignificant amount. I am mostly disappointed at the fact that we didn't have another competent privateer racing that had committed to a full season. But I would have absolutely loved to have been at Le Mans with Ian Chicken and Matt Pig, who are the leaders of the other two uh, or, like fan groups that were on the um, on the as part of the sponsorship 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 um, for that car, and to have like I am not insignificantly annoyed by that that's fair yeah that's fair yeah uh and i think the most telling thing about your this anger entire... is valid yeah thank you I, I i like that you validate my feelings uh and i think the most telling thing about this entire saga that has been the Janetta p1 project is lawrence tomlinson coming out and saying i think it was at some point this year uh i spend my money on things that either make me money or bring me joy at the moment the lmp1 project does neither I think that uh, when I when I saw that written down, I was like, "Well, that is never seeing the light of day again." Yeah, I mean, you, you would need motivation uh, to do that, and there was no outside motivation coming, and there really hasn't been since, like, a, you know, a few few months into their announcement with it. Really. Yep. Yep. So there is there is the Janetta saga. We finally done it. We finally done a post mortem, and I. Honestly, never want to talk about it again. I honestly never want to talk about it again. Jeez, that's a little bit. Well, I, I, after seeing how this particular project has run its course, I have no desire to follow any other Janetta project. I have no belief. I have no faith. And that's fine. I think. They can have their one make series that's fine yeah it's not gonna go anywhere we'll yeah out. anyway um let's talk about some more positive things let's talk about some more positive things so we'll start that off by starting with something very negative lmp1 is no more there is officially no more lmp1 races there's one grandfathered effort as a privateer for next season but there is no more lmp1 cookie what are some of your greatest highlights from the LMP1 era. Let's talk about some of the best things that have happened in the last 10 years of sports car. The LMP1 era. Share with me your happiest, saddest, most fanatical moments. Yes. 
uh, the uh, the uh, the cars went really fast. <laughs> and you, you lucky son of a bitch, were one of the people lucky enough to see them in person. And I am <laughs> going to be forever, forever, forever jealous of you for that. That in anger too, you know. You might see him like in in Legends races. No, you're not. Those things are too complicated for you to even do at all. Like they'll be at Goodwood if you want to go there. Yeah, but man. but you actually got to watch them race. Like screw you. <laughs> yeah, they're um they're inhuman. Yeah, inhuman reactions. If anybody gets that meme. Uh, but yeah, it was there. Yeah, I I mean just uh greatest uh memories would be like seeing them in person because again their the acceleration outside on corner exit is just stupid um and uh also just uh how uh ridiculously maneuver maneuverable the all-wheel drive systems are with these things and uh and the hybrid systems and which allowed for just ridiculous amounts of racing if there was pavement or if there wasn't they just <laughs> went there oh my god the um, amount of the amount of um like passes on the grass that we've seen yeah. like i remember so one in mexico many. at spa it's just crazy couple at spa yeah 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 so i just yeah um uh that it kind of more or less kind of became the world championship again uh mm. and i mean it really just kind of helped sail through uh through um you know that organization and you know giving it some foundation for that to kind of establish itself so that we can do this you know have a down year and have a few down years like this and still stick around mm. um so those would probably be it i mean honestly um i do love the tech but it was so out of control and yeah. um it just it's it's such a glaring like hole in that entire deal of like you know whereas a, a group c kind of has the same issue a little bit but i feel like that was more of a like people weren't so crazy dedicated to maximizing yeah. performance instantly that you would be today which for good reason but still um, so yeah, those are my weird good memories about LMP1. Nice. We go. We've actually got Lada who's jumped in. Lada, hello, welcome back to Endurance Chat. And he hasn't said anything. Okay, when you fill out your mic, you can jump back in. I'm going to be a bit more like specific because okay. uh, I mean, as far as as far as seeing them in person, you know, f- you. But uh, like for me, like the LMP1 era is the only era of top level sports car racing I have watched. I I saw the late the battles between Peugeot and Audi of course there was still LMP1 the, the the diesel battles at Le Mans that was my introduction to Le Mans the 2008 Le Mans but the hybrid era Porsche announcing in 2012 that they were entering the WEC and Le Mans is what brought me into watching this incredible endurance spectacle and it's, it brought me into R/WEC and making this podcast and so many other opportunities that I can talk about in length another time or I'll talk your ear off if I ever see you in person. But the the 2014 season with like Porsche still finding their feet, Toyota being very strong, and then that Lamar, that was incredible. The battles in like Silverstone 2015 where Audi and Porsche were trading the the race lead every lap for about hour, like two or three hours on end. Uh, you can't, talk about LMP1 and not mention the 2016 Le Mans. Like, I'm sorry, Cookie, but that might be one of the most iconic finishes in the, in the event for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> like... Um, up and down, buddy. Like, that's... Yeah. But, but like, 
Fuji 2016, remember Fuji 2016, the redemption for Toyota, the closest ever competition finish in WEC history, zero safety cars, zero yellow flags for six hours, and it came down to a strategy decision at the final pit stop, like, that's, that was, that to me was the peak of the WEC, that race was three manufacturers at the absolute height of their power doing unbelievable things with sports cars in and out of traffic, just, it, it's been an incredible period of development and the cars are, I've, I've found watching the cars very exciting as well. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that to me is what I'll remember most from LMP1. Not only the, the crazy technology and the crazy physics that these cars managed to break, but some of the battles that like at the Nürburgring, at Mexico, at Bahrain, the Porsche's championship victory at Bahrain, uh, Mark Webber driving that, broken piece of shit home in that last stint like <laughs> it was incredible so oh, yeah man. i mean yeah no those th- yeah the, the races especially that you were mentioning i mean there's even a couple other ones too that were just i mean even the <clears throat> the dakota one with uh, the heavy downpour yeah oh yeah i remember i still have images of, uh like i can remember timo bernhardt just breaking at the the, the end of the long straight and just shooting into and the gravel trap like a tractor <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, so there's a ton of different, like, just different weather uh, events that kind of um, beset uh, a lot of the races too. That um, that really kind of and, and different, even just the altitude. So like, we even had some races that were that had uh, altitude be mm. more effective for some of the naturally aspirated engines versus the turbo uh, charged engines as well. So um, just even just even some of the aspect for that was just fascinating and the ebb and flow. And really, it was just like what different factor could you find um in almost in any different month of an advantage that one of the manufacturers would find over the other and mm. uh it was a, Porsche had it for a lot too a technological arms race that it was yeah uh Lada, have you sorted yourself out yes i yes! did yes welcome back to the show Lada. welcome welcome hello hello guys i do agree with you guys i do believe the 2016 is basically i'll say it's the the, uh, the year of lmp in general but yeah. uh yeah, I think I think it's gone a bit long too. I think the ACO as well as other manufacturers realize that it's gonna force some somehow and someday. They actually saw it with uh Nissan actually bowing in, bowing out. But of course Nissan is actually somewhat a half half assed project, I do believe. I think manufacturers realize that they couldn't ki- they couldn't keep up with uh with the technology and as well as all the Cost blowing out and um, budget blow up blowouts and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, I I I do believe the LMP LMP one, the mon LMP one. Like like even like according to Wikipedia, it 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 says LMP one starts off in nineteen eighty two as um yeah. with the rest. But for for us, we recognize LMP one H started around like 2014. Yeah. 2014 would be the first year. But yeah, this year, that year was recognized with the diversity of technology, like people trying out basically anything that they can. Like uh, Audi with the, um, the, with the, flywheel. Yeah. the flywheel, the Porsche with the battery, Toyota with the supercapacitors. Like oh God, these those are supercapacitors. <laughs> yeah, these supercapacitors. <laughs> Like they like those three have different approaches, different attempts, uh, different ways of figuring things out. Like it's actual, like it says directly to wood. It's a prototype. Like mm. 
like manufacturers don't know what what's going on after after this. Like they say, okay, this is our take on how to make the fastest car ever, which may or may not be implemented onto actual cars in the future. And you know, in the future, it, well, we know what's what's the answer right now. It's it's full on battery at this point. Yeah. That era will be best known for the uh, diversity of technology, diversity of not in teams in general, but uh, I'll, I'll say it's it's the wild things, basically the wild yeah. technology and stuff like that. I, that's a great way of putting it. Thank you for that, Lana. Uh, the I you kind of forget when 2014 started that you had like three different engine configurations, two different types of fuel, and three different hybrid solutions, like. Uh, as an introduction to the sport, as it was for me at that point, learning about all of that and trying to wrap your head around all of that and how it would affect a race was uh, quite a step, uh, but it was certainly matched with some incredible racing. And, and while I think the technology is certainly a part of the conversation in the LMP1 era, where we've gone from you know high-capacity uh, engine like petrol engines to through the diesel uh, low rev torque era into hybrid uh, power not only will the technology be talked about but also the the racing just the pure racing product in 2016 there was just nothing that came close like you you, you couldn't point to any other series in 2016 besides maybe v8 supercars for how crazy that finished up but other than that, it was just all, it was all about WEC. It was all about LMP1. The LMP1 ended, like, unexpectedly, I'll say, because Dieselgate happened. Um, I I'll, hate I'll that say, it's called Dieselgate. Dieselgate, such a stupid name. I, I know, I know, same. Like, why not, why not call it Volkswagen Gate at that point? Like, this is... Just get rid of the gate. Just call it the diesel emission <laughs> scandal. The reason yes. Watergate is called Watergate is because that was the name of the hotel. Not every scandal or, like, controversy needs gate attached to it. You know what a gate a- is? Absolutely. It's a freaking open... Oh, anyway, it's an open... A- absolutely. Offense. Yes, there's, there's there's a reg cycle mandate in LMP1 in 2017. Um... Yeah, but I, I do think that they changed constantly. Like they, mm. they changed the uh, like what do you call it? They changed changed the goalposts like like con like significantly. Yeah. I do remember I haven't I haven't read the LMP one H like regulations earlier, but uh, I do believe that the twenty seventeen is a much more like advanced high end like, like they will continue to, the technology uh, leap on the 2017 regulations and then after that they were like okay yeah every everything's collapsing everything's going come tumbling down let's cut costs let's 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 uh let's rein in the costs away yeah i i think that's a fair assessment uh as well we we kind of didn't realize what we had until all of a sudden it was gone so rest in peace lmp1 you will be remembered fondly and in maybe 5 10 20 years you will be remembered as the golden era that you absolutely deserve to be Rolling back onto this year, highlights of 2020, guys. Uh, Lada, you can stick around if you want in this one. Uh, what was your favorite series to watch during 2020? Your favorite race series to watch? Kogi? Oh, um, that's tough. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's either Elon or, or Asian Le Mans series, maybe the SRO. Asian Le Mans series was pretty good. That that yeah. went down to a title fight. Yeah, yeah. I probably have to lean an Asian Law series just for like all the classes, but 
I don't know. I feel like that's that's just giving it to you know the first first two got disqualified, so you got to give it to third place the the, the winner, you know. But <laughs> Ouch. I feel like I feel like that's I I mean I don't mean it disrespectfully, but you know that's it's definitely not what I was wanting to be my favorite series. Yeah, year. yeah. Uh, Lana, what about you? Favorite series of twenty twenty? Go a bit biased. I might say the Asia Le Mans because. Well, it's my it's the second time I went to an actual race. First yeah, first you... race will be like in the twenty seventeen race, I think. Yeah. But I might give the award to the Bathurst twelve actually. Nice, good choice. Bathurst twelve hour was absolutely awesome. Um my favorite series coming out of left field, MotoGP. If you guys didn't watch MotoGP this year, you absolutely missed out. That was incredible. Incredible series, MotoGP. Uh it's as, as far as sports cars, uh I well IGTC, I guess, mostly on the strength of the Bathurst 12 hour. Really, I haven't watched any one series, enough of any one series to have a fully formed opinion um, because, like, I missed an ELMS race and I missed a, you know, SRO race and etc. etc. Actually, the one series is still a pretty good shout, though. I, I think that should go down as yeah it should go down as one of 2020's better series and simply because of uh the fact that it actually managed to run its course and run its course in a in an effective way so that was really really good i'm very surprised that uh that they actually ran it like during all this yeah, time right at the it was it was finishing up just as everything was kicking off because their, their last weekend was the same weekend as the adelaide 500 the v8 supercars race and then Two weeks later, uh, the entirety of Australia was locked down. So, yeah, it was pretty Lucky. pretty wild. Uh, what about favorite race? Favorite race of 2020? Favorite motor race? Anyone want to jump in first? Lada, Cookie, Lada, Cookie, Cookie, Lada? It's hard to say because right now everything is just... It's distant. <laughs> <laughs> it's so distant. Like, the only thing on top of my head I can remember is... The Age of Le Mans uh, in the Ben. Yeah. I do remember Bathurst. I do remember, well, after this, it's just a blur. Yeah, yeah, that's now, fair. I hate, I... I hate to say it, it's such a blur. And then there's a center that's tacked on a virtual Le Mans series. Uh, we haven't talked about it. And um, and Le Mans itself. Yeah. Like, I'm so, I'm sorry I missed out Nürburgring and Spa, <laughs> but I actually, it was a dark time, basically. <laughs> yeah, fair. Cookie, any thoughts? Uh, I don't know. Probably Le Mans or Nürburgring 24. Just from you, you sound so you sound so forlorn. We're meant to be talking about the best parts of 2020. Because there really wasn't any best parts of it. Well, like what, what are you supposed to say? Uh, the IMSA DPI championship was won by a point. Like, okay, oh, who cares? Wait, no there's a championship for that. Um, I mean. Uh, Toyota won WC LMP1. Like, I don't know. Like there wasn't really anything. Like I'm, I'm like there is an aspect. Yes, I am definitely looking at other classes for for all their stuff. But I'm like it would be really nice to have some very close overall battles. Or yeah, it's just like have to have something a little bit more memorable. You know, even even from the you know even the range shortened uh, Rolex Twenty Four of a couple of years ago that you know where Fernando won it. But even that, at the end, was still a little bit close. Like, they were still kind of, like, fighting for the win or something. There was just something on the line. It was something tense. And it's just kind of been, like, yeah, there's definitely, you know, been aspects of that uh, throughout some of these races this year. But I just, the oomph doesn't feel like that in a lot of the, the, the two biggest uh, yeah, series. Yeah, that's so fair. It's a little bit, 
it's just so hard to kind of get amped of it. And then again, like the Nurburgring Ring 24, usually very, very, very good. I mean, it's been it's too good, I would almost say, sometimes the last few years. Uh, and so this year it was kind of a little bit more well, it excited. Got, it got, yeah, it got, it got friggin' fogged out for like 20 hours or something mental. Right, and then, yeah, exactly. And that, and that just kind of killed a lot of that. And uh, the Spa 24, that was okay. It wasn't mem- it wasn't crazy memorable. There was definitely some accidents, but uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, think, I don't know. I think the the Porsche winning with a broken gearbox that was pretty like as far as most absurd moments of the year. <laughs> yeah, fair. yeah. For, for me, it's going to be the Bathurst twelve hour. I I mean, I absolutely have an incredible bias on that event because I was working there as media for for Daily Sports Car, and I got to see an entirely new side of that event. But the tension throughout that race, ramping up to Bentley's victory, and then five seconds later, deluge of rain. Like, that was just mental. So I gotta say, I gotta say Bathurst 12 hour. And I do actually want to shout out to the Virtual Le Mans. For all its gimmicks and all its problems, that, the climax of that race was up there with some of the closest WEC finishes, I think. Yeah, that's great. But to be fair, even though people talked high that uh that the that the that the East that the sim racing thing is it up and up. Like I do agree with that. It's just the platform doesn't I don't think it's suited for yeah. something like this right now. Um, yeah. It, it, uh, it's it, it it certainly showed the positives of the platform like sim racing and also the limitations. Yeah, I do agree. Uh, have we talked about the uh, virtual uh, vir- virtual lawnmower at all? Yeah, on on endurance chat. Yeah, we did. We talked and about the, it. Just, uh, I think yeah. Ollie and I had a very candid discussion. We didn't really talk about the the result, but we talked more talked about the races as a as a whole earlier on the year. Favorite battle, guys. Favorite battle of the year. There's a few that I can think of. Uh, anything that jumps out to you that you want to make mention of the favorite your favorite on track battle of the year or off track battle of the year. I mean, uh, the battle of entries versus coronavirus is still a battle, I guess. <laughs> uh, from the chat, we've got pre-COVID Bathurst once. Yes, Bathurst, of course. I think I think uh, GT3 cars versus the Walls at Bathurst. That was a great battle. Uh, the Walls won more often than not, if you remember. Anyone? Anyone want to jump in? Blank. Oh. Very blank. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Righto, um, I think. Well, I, I guess I'll just I'll just share some of my favorite battles then, if no one's gonna jump in. Please, let me have a yeah. think about it. Yeah. Uh, so Rebellion versus Bicolors in the virtual Le Mans. Uh, not in the real, not in the real Le Mans because there was always gonna go one way. Uh, the virtual Le Mans, I think that was actually really really good. Um, the G Drive versus uh Carlin battle in uh Asian Le Mans series, very very good. Uh, particularly, actually, Eurasia, uh, the um, the the race, the the New Zealand clad car versus the G Drive car at the bend. I think where they were basically ebbing and flowing in traffic, and it was like three or four stints where they were nose to tail. That was particularly good. Uh, that one stru- jumps out at me. Um, James Allen in the Graf Racing car versus the entire P2 field at Le Mans. No one expected him to do that well in the first into Le Mans. That was ridiculous. I got to pay him, uh, pay that one for him. Um, and yeah, we've got to mention the chat. Uh, uh, 
Oh, sorry, I saw it earlier. AF Corsa versus Aston Martin uh, at Le Mans. That was a really, really good one as well. So there's a few there, um, definitely. Oh, and uh, from Petit Le Mans, the Acura versus uh, the Whelan Cadillac, where they bumped and barged for an hour straight and then both took each other out in the last lap. <laughs> that one's... I think that's, that's NASCAR in a sports car at that point. Yeah, that's true, that's true. I'm trying to think of any other ones like IMSA related that were good. It's because mm-hmm. IMSA is a trash se- What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe a bit petite. There might have been one at petite. Yeah. I think, oh, I think- yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the ending at petite. That was pretty, pretty kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I think what's clear from this conversation is that because we've been, there was so much nothing and then just so much racing all at once it's just everything blurs together i'm not sure about you but things are blurring together in my mind well yeah especially when uh there's a 10-hour race and a six-hour race held the same track yeah so i'm like trying to remember which ones are which without thinking that they're the other ones so. yeah exactly we'll, we'll move on from that favorite moments and there were some high quality moments this year uh, favorite moments of 2020 what do you reckon oh I reckon uh, you getting on stream at Daytona, waving your hat around like a lunatic, that's that's one of my favorite moments. That is true. I was waving my hat around like a lunatic. I, I hope people enjoyed my lunacy uh, on camera. I always enjoy um, your lunacy, especially on uh, camera, if you well, know well, No, I don't. No, please, dear God, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, there just a lot of different... Um, you know, there's obviously just to see some of the series uh, racing at all and to see the systematic competitors still able to show up and for it not to be as impactful in terms of um, positive testing and all that stuff that, you know, being, which is really good, positive. So those nice. are good moments. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for feel good stories. So anytime you can kind of do that uh, point to you know, win or a podium, something like that for somebody who hasn't done it before, you know, those are probably going to be my feel good moments. So there's a few um, at Le Mans too. So yeah, those are probably nothing really crazy to to write home about that. I'm really, really, really happy for, I mean, United Auto Sports, I feel like they deserve all the accolades that, um, yeah, they have. And yeah, it was domination, but I feel like, um, I mean, still endurance racing. So you still have to put all the pieces together. So that's, that at least needs to be admired. So yeah. What about you, Lada? Any any favorite moments? Personal personal favorite moments? Professional favorite moments? Personal favorite moments. Uh, I mean, you never think about this. I th- I think I think my favorite moment of this year will be in uh, Asia Asia Mons event. Like nice. we all made we all met up. That was pretty good. Yeah, and that was yeah. Gigi's uh, tour of the paddock. That was really really cool. Yep, and I and I first time saw you as a uh, as a journalist. Oh yeah. That, yeah. that weekend for me was an absolute whirlwind. I was flying by the seat of my pants. I had no idea what was going on. And honestly, Bathurst went way better. <laughs> <laughs> Bathurst went so much better. But yeah, I, but I do believe that that year, like this this race in particular, stands out for me because like previously when I tried to make a you know, community-based um, like CSS update um you know community uh community posts everything we just we just often ask ourselves like when will the payout like this this one this race in particular kind of pays out there's a picture that we that we posted with all of us together i guess like that's that's when i realized like yeah that's everything starting to pay off i guess 
Yeah, that that felt pretty good. Uh, having having lunch together or dinner together afterwards. Yeah, but with with usernames, I was so used to seeing like finally seeing them in person. That was pretty yep, cool. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, for me, Dubai underwater. That was pretty nuts. Oh yeah, right. Forgot. Yeah, that's the thing. That was that was that was this year. Uh, that, that was hilarious. That was incredible. I can't believe that happened. Um, the kangaroos at the twelve hour. That was also this year. Uh, that was also amazing. Uh, the the kangaroo uh, uh, safety car. Um, uh, the drone uh, the drone that fell on track at Palanga. Remember? Did you guys see that? Did you guys watch uh, the Palanga uh, one thousand six kilometers? That was dumb. That was just so dumb. No, uh, I should have. Been. That was oh, such a meme race. I love it. Uh, the uh, I think the. Having Lamar in here, the the Discord server, having it work so well, that one that was just such a highlight uh, for me uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to actually just have things work and have the community respond properly. That was just oh, that was incredible. And some of the photos from the Kyle Army nine hours, like last week or two weeks ago, where it was just like beautiful sun for eight hours and then a flood, like that was just wild uh, and. Uh, things like the virtual Lamar, some of the some of the, the the moments from that were pretty great. Uh, I think the when they had one of the red flags, they had an interview with Jackie Stewart, just randomly, just like okay, we need to fill some time, and it was just stuff like that was really sort of sticks out. So I think they're my favorite. Those are the things I'll remember about twenty twenty. Um, but we have plenty of other good stuff to look ahead to now because the last few weeks we've been inundated with good news. It's been good news. So firstly. LMH next year, Toyota's new car has been released. It's like there has been undisguised photos of it testing out at, um, I can't remember what the circuit was, Boracard or something? Anyway, uh, Aragon, thank you in the chat. Aragon, we, so we have, we have pictures of the LMH cars that are going to be coming up next year. It's, we've got a pretty solid calendar, uh, with, uh, I think, uh, Fuji Bahrain returning Monza. We're going to Monza as well so that'll be a nice return to some uh endurance racing heartland uh and then at least two privateers next year with glickenhaus and by collars what do we expect from lmh next year nothing oh really come on you're gonna be a little excited what <laughs> no that's that's the attitude you should have um i mean toyota should win most everything glickenhaus i am hoping just just be is able to have at least a full season um with no issues um that car has no major teething issues. Um, I expect the LMP ones to be pretty, or the LMP, yeah, the two LMP ones to pretty much be pretty heavily restricted in terms of their pace. So, I mean, if Toyota do break, we might see a Rebellion win or a Glickenhaus, but that would probably be the only kind of aspect for that for this year. It's more or less just like it's the first year of a lot of new cars, so expect reliability issues and mostly to not befall Toyota or at least to fall Toyota's way most likely. So yeah, I feel like people will be more frustrated with this season coming up than anything else, just from them being like, Oh, well this is your chance. And Toyota still won everything, you know, it's like, well, we'll see. Yeah. Fair. That's what, that's, that's kind of where I'm saying it. Cause I feel like if we had Peugeot immediately at the gate, I feel like that'd be different, but we don't. So you guys gonna, it's another, it's kind of another season LMP one, but Hey, Toyota could break this time. Yeah. We'll yeah. Fair. Uh, the, I think the other one, uh, that we're referring to, uh, someone's asking in the chat, that's the Alpine, the grandfathered Alpine, uh, which they're going to be using the Rebellion's old cars. So they're, remember, we're talking about a car that is going, aiming for a 
3.30 average lap time at Le Mans in race stint, which is probably going to be 3.28 in reality. Um, so it, it'll be... It'll be an interesting season. I wonder how much the LMP2s are going to be affected. That's the thing that I'm really uh, thinking about. Um, but on the other hand, like when Peugeot come in in 2022, and if they keep that 905 reference in the rear wing, I'm just going to go absolutely nutty for it. That's going to be a the start of a Titanic battle uh, in in the LMH category. I see. But uh, here's, here's a question I wanted to place to you guys. Do you think... With the uh, LMDH release, do you think LMP2 would have a grid at all? Not in IMSA. Not in IMSA. Not in IMSA. I I, I don't see how you can fit LMDH, P2, P3, GTLM, if that still exists, and GTD on the same grid at the same time in IMSA. I think any team that is going to be worth anything in P2 in IMSA is either going to find its way into running an LMDH car for a manufacturer or just slot into P3. I, I see. Because um, I, I, would, I would hate to see the LMP2 class be eroded because LMDH is the thing. I do think it will happen. Uh, I sadly would say. like I, if- No, I, I, I can't see it disappearing from the ELMS and the Asian One series. The, the grids are too strong. In my opinion, the grid's no, too strong. That that's true. That's true. But yeah, yeah from what I'm what I'm thinking right now, I, I like if people realize that if you have a dependent LMP2 chassis, like like proven basically, mm. it's, it's been like many many years right now, and then you pair it up with a power plant that is basically uh, you can choose whatever you want. Well, nearly choose whatever you want. And you think of a combination, and then people are like, okay, this is the best combination, which is dependable, won't break, and at least competitive. Yeah? You still have to, you, you still have, to have the manufacturer offer it to customers, though. That, that's true. That's true. I do believe that LMDH will be... Uh, will be I'll say, if, if, they pull, if one of these two groups pulls off a customer, like an actual genuine customer... Um, you know, you know, customer base team can comes out. Even one of them, uh, that team would be the would be the dominant team in this whole entire era. Well, I mean, that's yeah, that's what I believe. That's unsurprising because that's basically you know measuring up the GTLM model versus the GT3 model. I think that's actually not a bad analogy for LMH versus LMDH. You have basically bespoke endurance racing machinery on one side, which is you know, very, very limited and effectively prototypes. They're still prototypes, I think, the LMH cars. Um, and then the other hand, you have a more accessible base chassis and manufacturers looking to make money off of it. Uh, so I think you, w- I wouldn't surprise me to see more, uh, more of a GT3 like style customer base out of LMDH just on a smaller scale. But Speaking of LMDH, great news coming in the last two weeks. Audi, a, a to what I understand is a two-car commitment for the WEC in an LMDH car, and Porsche, WEC and uh, IMSA in an LMDH car. Holy shit, dicks, guys. We're going to have... We're going to... The whole band's back together. Everyone's back. <laughs> boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. Oh, it's great. Cookie, you 
you messaged me as soon as the Porsche drop of news dropped, and we're like, well, <laughs> here we go again. It's on. It's gonna be another fun show. We'll see. Porsche always <laughs> have a way of doing stupid shit, so we'll find out what they're gonna do this time with LMDH. And the roles have completely changed as well. Like Porsche actually think of using a V8, while yeah. a they, that's that's um, what they announced in a, the uh, in the daily sports car. That was in the daily sports car release. They're using the, they're going to use the engine from the Cayenne. Is is what's been saying hmm? uh, the K, uh, the K the SUV. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, and because I often like on top of my head, I always think that the Porsche is actually the low power to weight ratio sort of sort of team, while Audi is actually the power versus efficiency sort of sort of team. But oh well. <laughs> yeah, fair. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. There, that's all all coming into a head in 2023, of course. But I'm so conflicted because. I don't believe in LMDH as a platform. I don't want to like it. I don't think it's it's not the type of machinery that I want to watch. I'd rather watch LMH cars because I am interested in the technology behind them. But Porsche going to LMDH, uh, uh, uh. It's, it's a holding pattern. Let me uh, yeah. just say it straight up. Like uh, because of what happened, the emission scandal. Yeah. Okay, just for you, Thank the emission scandal. This because of the emission scandal, and this year, yeah, financial crisis. Pending. I think this the LMDH is a holding pattern for every, for the whole entire racing, oh. uh, sports car racing, uh, prototype racing. Even then, like LMH is on, on paper is actually much more expensive than LM, uh, LMDH. So, but LMH also have a higher chance of winning because, of course. Much more, much more bespoke engine, much more bespoke chassis, bespoke basically everything. You get like you have more control. But yeah, you have more L- freedom rather. More, more freedom. But yeah, LMDH, I do believe is a to cost to uh to manufacturers is much more like secure, like like a much more secure secure base. Like to the accountants, I like say, okay, how much do you spend? I was like, oh, we spend that much like a few million dollars that's yeah that's our budget and i was like oh okay that's cool yeah but that's L- yeah. L- lnth it's unpredictable you'll be like okay how much do you spend and i was like oh maybe maybe that maybe like a few few ten thousand ten million dollars around and then might be blow might be blooming up because r&d some teething issues stuff like that yeah it's you know? far less far less likely to spiral exactly um, but cocky we have the prospect here of 2023 having Peugeot versus Toyota versus Audi versus Porsche, which between them have taken something like 34 of the last 40 Le Mans 24 hours victories. How how enticing is that looking two or three years into the future? Uh, it'd be more enticing if it was six, seven years in the future. <laughs> but uh, no, it's... Um... That's really that's that's really what it counts for me. But I think honestly, you have the framework for like every team that has essentially stuck it out over the last forty years um, is is either coming back or still has to prove themselves. And I feel like it's you know if 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 you're ever gonna have a time where you're gonna have four OEMs that have a legit shot of winning it and uh, and and will you know want to show up to beat the other three it's now and it's these four so yeah exactly I feel like these would be this would this is the right recipe you would want to have um you know four-way battles at lamar you'd want these four manufacturers mm. there so and 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 as you said if you want to be the giant slayer 
these are the giants. These are the Ford manufacturers who are, for the past 20, 30, 40 years, have been the stalwarts at Lamar in terms of victories, in terms of participation. If you want to prove yourself at Lamar, these are the four you have to do it against. So absolutely, it's it's a budding opportunity for someone else to jump in uh, and, and shows a, a fair amount of strength for the event in the future. Uh, what about... Uh, so that's that's WC side of things. I really just quickly, uh, because we've been going now for almost two hours, want to touch on the Asian Le Mans series for next year because I think that is inundated with good news. 36 entries for the Asian Le Mans series next year. 36! That's, that's an ELMS grid. 36 entries. Uh, and uh, to me, that speaks volumes of the organization and the communication from the Asian Le Mans series, Zerotesh Wallen and those involved in the media there, um, because they've, they've, they've put together a program that they communicated to competitors and to interested parties every single step of the way. Every time it changed, there was a communication. Every time that there was a, a thought that it might change, there was a communication why can't the rest of the ACO do stuff like this? Why can't the rest of the ACO go, hey, we are thinking of changing this. Give us your insights and we will make a change instead of, you know, what happened with the P2 uh, driver rating thing just after Le Mans where it was just like, hey, we're thinking about this. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> so it's just it's just incredible. I'm so looking forward to, what, the four races in three weeks over in, in Abu Dhabi? It's going to be mental. So yeah, I mean the momentum of the series is just kind of keep going up with the car counts, and uh, I think the driver talent and team talent is also just kind of keeps increasing. So um, it's doing all the right things it needs to do, and I feel like it's it is using a lot of lessons learned from some of some of the other series and how not to do or how to do mm. things, even from a broadcast perspective, fan engagement, just information standpoint. Um, I think they're doing what you kind of need to do in terms of a motorsport series in the, in 2020 now, 2021 is just kind of what they're, they've been doing. And I, I mean, really it's like, I, I think it's, yeah, it's time to kind of praise them a little bit and give them applause for kind of how they've been able to steer and, and navigate this and still really just keep growing the sport in a place where you've seen formula one and a lot of other different series try to tap that market or at least just try to make a foothold. And I feel like, you know, if this keeps up, you're doing exactly that in the sports car world, which is kind of where we're, we were thinking in general, some of the new, you know, interesting ideas and or companies would be coming from too. So um, I feel like, I feel like just in general, them, even if they have even had the same car count, that would be a success uh, from last year, this year. And just to see their, what is currently on, on the docket is insane. Mm, it, it really is, because it's not just a, a strength in, in P2s, which remember, we're using the fully-fledged P217s as the only class now. Um, there is an AM class, but like there's 13 or something P3s as well, and the GT group. There are so many GT teams in here that have come over from racing in Europe. I mean, a part of that is the location, uh, Abu Dhabi being is the base, but like uh, Rinaldi Racing coming across, Walkenhorst Motorsport coming across, GPX, who have been doing incredible things in uh, GT World Challenge, uh, or the SRO, GT, whatever, whatever. They're coming across with a bunch of cars. It's a TF Sport are coming over, uh, Garage 59 with some Aston Martins. It's going to be uh, Herberth Motorsport, Creventic Stalwarts are jumping in as well. There's going to be an incredible quality in the GT field, and it just keeps going from strength to strength, like every single time, every single time. Um, 
Thoughts on the calendar, though. Uh, four races at Abu Dhabi, uh, two day-to-night races, and using an as-of-yet-unnamed number of different circuit configurations. How do we feel about that? Fascinated by it? Fascinated? Wh- why? I don't know what combinations you really have the opportunity of doing if they're not like... I mean, if they're a number... I feel like it's going to be two combinations and they're just going to do one day, you know, yeah, both of them yeah. at night, both of them at day. So it's going to probably be underwhelming from what I'm thinking of. But like, hey, if they did like two or three or four, that'd be kind of cool. Well, there's, but... there's what, what they got. They have the full length. They have the jump off at turn two and cut that cor- like cat- that end of the tack. Um, they have the... Uh, half it by yep. with I think by the the front stretch they go if you extend that back or it like loops back around it you can connect that with uh like the other grid area and garage yep. area on the far side so I yep. think you could do that too there's, if you wanted. But. There's there's where the first straight ends where they've got the chicane that takes you onto the second straight you can just cut that off entirely as well. You could you could run the shorter circuit. You could run the the secondary grid and use just basically sector three. I don't know why you would want to because sector three is horrible. Um, but you could do it. Like right hand or seventy five degree turns. It's great. It's oh, it's the worst. It's just and all the corners are off camber as well, so you can't. Oh, it's just gonna yeah. be terrible. Let's be honest, dude. That's part of the interest of this as well. I mean, cost cutting is going to be a deal. Yep. So you know, uh, you know, we're rolled into this. So a lot of the entries are kind of like, hey, you know, you want to spend a little less money and essentially qualify for an entire ACO yeah. supported championship. But you know, with do you want to have a chance Lamar? at racing at Lamar? Do you want to yeah. do you want to do four races in three weeks and have a chance exactly. of possibly racing at Lamar? Like when you put it like that, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So that's that's going to be, I think, March, February, and March next year uh the very very end of uh february the very beginning of march uh if i recall correctly 5th and 6th of february 19th and 20th of february so pretty early on so which is like a nice replacement for the bathurst 12 hour which uh unfortunately is not going to be run next year um and i do at this point want to make a special shout out to uh jackie miss jacks who has finally secured her right to leave this country to go and uh spectate at slash work these events for the media so uh i know she's been working very hard to get out of this country uh and good riddance um (laughs) (laughs) no i love you jacks uh anything else we want to say about this unprecedented year before we say goodbye i think this year's a very turbulently it's like that's that's one word i i can say turbulent <laughs> turbulent, turbulent unprecedented unprecedented and turbulent every every single like plans are uh, kind of go out the window after um after many years but i mean there's gotta be i mean there's gotta be like a, a new class coming up I, mm. i'm actually really looking forward to it really looking forward to glicken house i mean he blocked. He blocked me on Twitter. I mentioned too. <laughs> That's how yes. you know you're a real sports car fan when Glickenhaus blocks you on Twitter. Basically, even though I haven't contacted him in any form or any sort of way, he just blocked me. That's Good hilarious. That is hilarious. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the new cars coming up. Uh, new. Uh, finally, we have a proper uh, calendar rather than the super season calendar. Oh my god! Finally, those, oh, those two super seasons were the worst. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I would say the experiment is okay. It's but uh, it's hard to it's hard to um, you know uh, schedule not schedule more like uh, look around and and, and stuff like it's, yeah. it seems to be very distant. Yeah, 
Uh, what uh, about you? Oh, sorry, sorry, Lada. But yeah, overall, overall, twenty one one. Looking forward to it. Nice. What about you, Cookie? Anything you want to sign off for in twenty twenty? Uh, farewell, TSO five zero. You have been uh, something. Um, I wish I had more happy memories of you, but um, you did win some Lamas. That was nice. Um, really looking forward to the future. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sound so um, enthused. You sound so enthused. Well, Could, yeah. Are we, keeping, I mean, are we keeping you up? Do you have somewhere no, you need to be? <laughs> it, no, absolutely not. I'm, I'm going to go watch some sports car racing after this. Um, nice. No, but um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough because I, I would have liked to, you know, wave goodbye a little bit a little bit more with uh, with more gusto. Let's just say that. But uh, no, I think um, you know, I'm just I'm. I think I'll reiterate what I said before that I'm, I, I'm just glad that we had uh, sizable grids to begin with. I mean, you know, I, I feel like a lot of us uh, to a certain extent, we're thinking that there might be some crazy potentially bad stuff going on because we've felt that before with a mm. lot of uh, financial squeezes of global issues in the past. So it's, uh, I think it was a more of a relief from, from this perspective, I guess from this fan, just to see, you know, there definitely was not peak, grids that we had all year for a lot of stuff but it was a hearty amount of cars and that's that at least tells me that there's still um you know not everybody's tightening their belts uh, you know to an extent that, that we're going to lose anything major here and that i think was a um i think if if people if you ask people in april or whatever you know like how they were feeling about racing and stuff like that then i feel like there'd be a lot more doom and gloom or potential for it so yeah. i'm at least grateful for that aspect that it doesn't look to be as bad yet we thought it could have been so yeah and hopefully we can say the same about the world in a well at some point during next year um and on that note i want to just say uh, thank you to everyone who once again has been a part of this project of of endurance chat we've Somehow through this year, managed to do a lot of cool stuff, uh, including uh, I got to interview Johnny Palmer at Le Mans, uh, not at Le Mans, at Bathurst, and having Graham Goodwin on for another interview, and the the stuff that we were doing during the the first shutdown period, uh, that was all very much community-driven, and I want to thank you guys, the listeners, the community that really drives the force behind not only this project, but behind... The discussions that we have at, on the Discord and on the subreddit, and the the entire wider sports car community—it's certainly uh, been a big part of getting through this year. And hopefully, there are greener pastures in the years to come. And I do want to make a, a massive shout out for, to you, Austin, for coming along on this ride with me, and to you, Lada, for doing all the graphics and uh, being a part of this podcast as well, and being a part of the subreddit as well. Uh, and then particularly to uh, Kiwi Chris for running the game show uh, that we did, and that was a lot of fun. We should do that definitely again. Uh, and to, to, to everyone who has come along on this journey with us, your patronage is extremely appreciated, and it certainly wouldn't be the same without this this going on my my life certainly would be very very different without all of these things that uh that you guys give me the capacity to do so on that note i will sign off we will sign off for 2020 have a merry and safe christmas or whatever uh celebration is appropriate for your denomination uh have a 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, for those over in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, have a nice chilly, uh, well, a nice warm day by the fire or whatever. And for those in the Southern Hemisphere, enjoy your day out in the sunshine. I have been Michael Zalavari, signing off for 2020. Peace out! Stop being so edgy. We haven't even started this thing yet. <laughs> uh, don't you know me, Cookie? I'm like a circle. All edge and no point. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> I'll give you a round of applause. Circulating my applause around the microphone. Uh, thank you, thank you. All right.